We'll turn in your Bibles to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. The Bible tells us that nothing is too hard for God. All things are possible for God. Yet at the same time, there are some things that are impossible for God to do. We're going to look today at what's impossible for God. Titus was a, a helper to Paul. He was a Greek, not a Jew. He was a believer in Christ. He worked with Paul many times. He was sent by Paul to the church in Corinth uh, when they were having issues and troubles there. And Titus eventually became the lead pastor on the island of Crete. In his letter to Titus, Paul says this in verse 1, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, of faith and knowledge resting on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time. And at His appointed season, He brought His word to light through the preaching entrusted to me by the command of God, our Savior. He writes, says something very simple, a no-brainer, God does not lie. Hebrews 6.18 puts it this way, it's impossible for God to lie. That's what's impossible for God. It's impossible for God to lie. What else is impossible? It's impossible for God to do evil. It's impossible for good to tempt anyone with evil. It's impossible for God to be tempted by evil. And it's impossible for God to change. He is who He is. That's why His name revealed to Moses at the burning bush was, I am who I am. Always been, always will be. Nothing's going to change about it. God does not lie. In contrast, the devil lies like a dog. Jesus said in John 8:44, the devil was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language because he's a liar and the father of lies. That's what the devil does. Because we've rebelled against God and sins entered the world and the world's under the control of the evil one and each of us have a sinful nature in our flesh, we, you and I, are fully capable of lying. To lie to gain the advantage over others. To lie to avoid getting in trouble and avoid consequences, and for some, just to lie for their wicked pleasure of doing so. And uh, But God does not lie. That's why the Bible tells us in Romans 3 and verse 4, let God be true and every man a liar. The truth is every human being on the earth who knows how to talk has lied at some time. No doubt. But God never lies and never will lie. 1 Samuel 15, verse 29 puts it this way, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. He is not a man that he should change his mind. Tied to lying is the truth that God does not change. Malachi 3, 6, Malachi 3 verse 6 says, I, the Lord, do not change. Hebrews 13 and verse 8 talks about Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. God does not change. His Son, Jesus Christ, does not change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that's good news. 
That's good news for our human situation. You never know. You never know. Will Crystal get the kind Russell uh, tomorrow or the or the mean grouchy one? You never know. Will Crystal get the reasonable rust tomorrow or the unreasonable one? You just never know. But God never changes. Many emphasize unconditional love. Unconditional love. Uh, but I think a stronger biblical truth is that God's love is unchanging. It is unchanging. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. God is love and His love's always been the same from eternity and to eternity. His love has always been there. It's always the same. It's unchanging. God was unchanging. God was the same before God created a single Adam. His purpose and His plan were the same. They were unchanged before any molecule ever existed. Hebrews 6, verse 17 tells us about the unchanging nature of His purpose. Then it goes on to say in the next verse, it's impossible for God to lie. The unchanging nature of His purpose. God had a, be, had a plan, and here in Titus chapter 1 it says, what kind of plan is it? it? It was there before the beginning of time. It was there before the beginning of time. And the Bible talks about this in several places. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 9, it says, God saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of anything we have done, but because of His mercy and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. But it's now been revealed to us through the appearing of Christ Jesus who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the Gospel. Revelation 3, verse 13, verse 8 says, He is the Lamb who was slain from the foundation of the world. Before God created anything, He had a plan. My Son's going to pay for their sins. He's going to offer salvation to whoever believes. Acts 2, 23, on Pentecost, Peter preached and said, Jesus was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. God already knew about this. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, verse 20, You were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. God has a true unchanging plan and purpose from the very beginning. God does not change. God does not change. God does not lie. God is truth. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. The Bible tells us there is real, absolute truth. Many don't think about this, but the basis for some of the greatest discoveries in science came from a Biblical worldview, a belief in a universe that is structured and ordered, that's held together by absolute true principles. And because it's put together with true principles, you can look at it, you can examine, you can test it, you can come up with, with truth in, in ways to do things that fit into that truth. 
On contrast to that, an evolutionary worldview sees truth as random. It depends on the situation. It's changing. It's relative. It depends on the majority opinion in any given place or at any given time. But God does not change. God is truth, and truth does not change. The Bible is given to us because God tells us what the truth is. He tells us what is good. He tells us what is right. Our faith in God depends on truth. Not faith in faith. Not faith in wistful thinking. Or faith in personal opinion. It depends upon the truth. In the New Testament Greek, there's one Greek word for truth, and there's another Greek word for to believe or to trust. But in Old Testament Hebrew, there's one word for trust, and there's another Hebrew word for belief, which is also the word for truth. To believe is to believe the truth, not to believe something arbitrary, not to believe something wishful, but to believe is to believe in what is really true. If God does not lie as the Bible tells us, if God tells the truth, what's the conclusion? The conclusion is that whatever God has promised, it's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. It's not up for hopeful thinking. If God says it and promises it, it's a sure thing because God does not lie and God does not change. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not a man that He should lie or the Son of Man that He should change His mind. If God speaks, then will He not act? If God promises, will He not fulfill? Will He not fulfill? Of course He will. He made a promise to Noah after the flood. He says, I'm making a promise I'll never again Destroy all life on earth by a flood. And I'll give you a sign for that promise. It's the rainbow. God made that promise, and since that time, the world has never been destroyed by a flood. He makes another promise in Second Peter that says, I'm going to destroy the heavens and the earth with fire and create a new heavens and a new earth. You can count on that promise too, even though it's not taking place. God made a promise to Abraham. He says, Abraham, because you put your trust in me, because you believed in me for the truth, I'm making a promise to you. This land will be yours. And it was a few generations after and after they came out of slavery in Egypt. And it is today. The people of Israel, it's their land. And God made a promise to Abraham. He says, Abraham, can you count the stars in the, st in the sky or the grains of sand on the seashore? So, so that's how many descendants you're going to have. Wow. God fulfilled that promise throughout the years. And God made a promise to Abraham when He told him, through your seed, through your offspring, all nations will be blessed. And through an offspring of Abraham by the flesh, Jesus Christ, all the nations of the world have been blessed with the gospel of Jesus Christ to believe, whether in British Columbia or India or South America or in China. That gospel has gone out and there have been those who have been blessed because they believed in it. 
God made His promise to Abraham and He's kept His Word because God does not lie. God does not change. He made a promise to King David. He said, David, you will always have a descendant to sit on the throne. And through the flesh was born to David, Jesus Christ, according to the flesh, who is King of kings, Lord of lords, is King, always will be King. God keeps His promises. He keeps His Word. Luke chapter 2, verse 11. The angels told the shepherds today in the city of David is born for you Christ the Lord. Fulfilling God's promise to King David. Those were specific promises that God made to specific people. But God has made promises to us in the New Testament. Also, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, it's For no matter how many promises God has made, they all find their yes in Christ Jesus. They all find their answer yes through Jesus Christ. What promises has God made? He's made it to you if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. He's made the promise of the forgiveness of sins. All your sins. Colossians 2.13 says, When you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. 1 John 1, verse 7 says, The blood of Jesus, His Son, purifies us from all sin. He made a promise, and He completed that promise in Jesus Christ when He fulfilled the Scriptures. 1 Peter 2, 24 says, And He bore our sins in His body to the tree. So having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. He offers and says, You believe in My Son Jesus Christ, I will forgive all your sins. All of them. Why go along as a believer and say, Well, I hope God forgives me. I know the Bible says that, but how can I be sure? I don't really know. He said it. He does not lie. Believe it. And one day, there's still a sinful world. I still got a sin nature. I still fall. I still stumble. But the truth is, one day I will stand before God and I will be completely clean, forgiven of sins, perfect in His sight because of what Jesus did for us. What does God promise? <clears throat> he promises the resurrection to eternal life. He promises eternal life to you. Countless people go throughout life not even caring about anything other than right now. Not even caring what happens after a person dies. God promises the resurrection to eternal life. God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. In John 3.36, it says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life and will not be condemned. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. Jesus said in John 5.24, I tell you the truth, whoever hears My Word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He's crossed over from death to life. Jesus said in John 6.40, My Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him will have eternal life and I will raise Him up on the last day. He makes a promise of resurrection to eternal life. And it's complete in Jesus Christ because on the third day He rose from the dead and because He lives, we can live too. 
That's God's promise. God does not lie. God does not change His mind. What has God promised us in the, in the Bible? He's promised us the Holy Spirit. On the night He was betrayed, Jesus said in John chapter 14, I will ask the Father and He will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him because it doesn't see Him, doesn't know Him, but you know Him because He is with you and He will be in you. He talks about the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And on Pentecost, Peter said, this is it. This is the promised Holy Spirit. It's happened. It's come. To have the Holy Spirit within your life. If you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I ask you, where's... Where's the Spirit of Jesus Christ? Y'all be saying right here. Right here inside. Because I believe and God does not lie. And I've asked Him into my heart. And that's, I believe it. Do I see it? Do I see sparks and, and visions? No. I believe what God says and He does not lie. And I've experienced His Spirit working in my life. And if the Spirit is working in your life, it gives you the ability, God promises the power to love like He loves. Romans 5, verse 5 says, He has poured His love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom He has given to us. He gives you the ability to love as God loves, to produce the fruit. As it says here in Titus, verse 1, the knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, that you and your life can live your life loving God, loving others as He's loved you, be able to forgive others even as God has forgiven you, to be kind to others as God has been kind to you, to be good to others, to have joy, to have peace, to have patience, to be gentle, to be self-controlled, to be thankful each and every day. Why? Because the Spirit of the, of the living God is within you as God has promised, as you've believed, as you've received Him. What has God promised? God has a lot of great promises. He's promised that He will never leave you. That's important. He's promised that He will never leave you. After He rose from the dead, the end of Matthew's Gospel, it says, I will be with you always, even to the very close of the age. Hebrews 13, verse 5 it says, I will never leave you or forsake you or abandon you. God won't leave you. He says, uh, because He doesn't leave you, He gives you the Holy Spirit in you to help you. Because He doesn't leave you, you have resources there, as it were, to overcome sin in your life. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13 says, No sin has overtaken you that is not common to man, but God is faithful. What's that mean? God is faithful. He doesn't change. He doesn't lie. God is faithful uh, with the temptation, He'll also give you the way out. So you'll be able to stand up under it. The promise is there that God will help you overcome sin and not do uh, what the flesh wants to do. And when we do what the flesh wants us to do, there's the promise of God to restore you when you do sin. First John verse one, chapter 1, verse 9 says, if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even when we continue to stumble, we can go to Him and He'll help us and forgive us. He will never leave you. You know another promise from the New Testament that God gives to you? If you put your trust in Him, 
and asked Him into your life, the Holy Spirit within, you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, He will not only never leave you, He also promises, I will never let you go. I will never let you go. Jesus in John chapter 10, verse 28 says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. It's emphatic there in the Greek. If you want to pile up the words in English, it's like saying, I give them eternal life and they shall not never ever perish for all eternity. No one can snatch them out of my hand, Jesus said. My Father has given them to me. He is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one. He's saying, I won't, I won't let you go. Paul writes about it this way in Romans chapter 8. He says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come in the future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else and all creation can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's saying, I'm not going to let you go. No matter how, what circumstances you're going through, no matter how bad the world seems to get, no matter how bad your own personal life might seem to be, no matter all the evil forces at work around us, surrounding us, pounding away at us, the promise is there from God. Can't, I, they can't take you out of my hand. They can't separate you from my love. You're mine. I won't let you go. What promises has God made to us? Find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. He promises us a home. On the night of betrayed, John chapter 14, Jesus said to my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I not have told you? I go to prepare a place for you. God does not lie. Do you believe what He says when He describes this heaven free from sin? No pain, no tears, no evil thing whatsoever. Then, then the Scripture says in Romans 8.18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory will be that will be revealed in us. In other words, he's saying, it can't get so bad. Don't take your eyes off of what's in store. Nothing. It's a short time. It'll be gone. But what's eternal is lasting and it's so much better. He describes it this way in 1 Corinthians 2.9. No eye has seen, no ear heard, the mind of man has not even conceived what God has prepared for those who love Him. When you consider this, when you consider what God has done and prepared, why do we want to clutch and cling to this world and think this is the best it could ever be? Or would we trust in God's Word and say, Lord, what you've got in store is awesome. I believe that. I'm looking forward to it. If you came back today, that'd be just fine. If I died today, that'd just be wonderful because it's better than anything I can experience in this life. And while you leave me here, I'm, I'm living for you, working for your kingdom, loving you, loving others, trying to reach people with the Gospel. Why would you clutch and cling to this 
world? Or would you rather trust in God's Word and have the attitude of Psalm 73, verse 25, where it says, Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. Too often we go through life and it's like, man, I, I desire these things and God, I'll see you later, God. I, don't, I want this, I want that. Oh, Lord, later, some other time, instead of saying, earth has nothing I desire compared to you, compared to you. And lastly, what does God promise to us? <coughs> he promises to return one day. Jesus said, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to be with me where I am. Paul writes about it in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 when he talks about the rapture to come <coughs> when the trumpet of God sounds and the dead in Christ are raised imperishable and caught up in to meet Him in the clouds. And he closes that by saying, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Whom have I in heaven but you, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. God does not lie. You can count on it. It's going to happen. People say, you know, even in New Testament times, First Peter 3, people were mocking. Oh, we heard about it. He's going to come back. I haven't seen it. When's it going to happen? You're making it up. That was 2,000 years ago. The truth is still the same. God, the Son is coming back. It will happen. It will happen. God said it. He does not lie. He does not change. If you believe God's promise, if you believe all His promises, I think that gives you the strength to face each and every day with power in the Holy Spirit. Be able to say, yeah, yeah, wow, whoa, that was quite a blow. Oh, what just happened? That was terrible. Be able to stand up and say, I can do it because God has promised great things. And it says here in Titus chapter 1, at His appointed season, He brought His Word to light. Just like before the beginning of time, He had a plan and a purpose, He has an appointed season when He brought His Word to light. The, the phrase appointed season means the right time, the appropriate time. And God has His own purpose and plan, and God has His own right time, appropriate time. At just the right time, God sent His Son, born of a virgin. Galatians 4.4 4 says, When the time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law. He had a right time. It wasn't during the reign of King David or King Solomon. The right time wasn't during the Middle Ages. The right time was not 2023. Today, He had His right time. He brought His Word to light. And so Isaiah 9 says the people walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the shadow of death. A light has dawned. For unto us the child is given. Unto us a son is born. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He has the right time, Romans 5, 6 says, at just the right time. At just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. He died for us. God has His appointed season, His right time. As a Christian, God has His right time for you in your life. 
Maybe you don't think very often in those terms about uh, right time and and all that, but uh, the Bible has a couple of descriptions about right time for a believer. First Peter five verse six says, "Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time, the right time." Humble yourselves under God's mighty hand that He might lift you up at the right time. Galatians 6, 9 says to believers, let us not become weary of doing good. For at the proper time, the right time, for at the right time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Oh, wow, that's great. India, 3,200 children came to Christ When's that going to happen here? It may never happen here. But God's working through us to reach our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it happens at the right time. At God's right time. Whatever you're going through, good or bad, wonderful or nasty, wait on the Lord. Be patient. Trust Him that He's going to make it happen at the right time in your life. God does not lie. God does not change. God has an eternal purpose and plan for your life. God has a right time for you and for your life. Maybe you're here. Have you never believed in giving your life to Jesus Christ and say, I believe that I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I believe He paid the price on the cross. I believe He rose from the dead. Now, if I ask Him, He'll come into my life. Through His Holy Spirit. What does the Bible say about time? In 1 Corinthians, it says, the time is short. The time is short. Will you have another 60 years? That's wonderful. Maybe you only have another year, another month, whatever it might be. But for no matter what the case is, the time is short. The time is short. And in 2 Corinthians, it says, Now is the time. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Why not today? Isn't it the right time? Why put it off any longer? If you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ, this day, this moment, to say, God, forgive my sins. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I just thank You, Lord, for Your mercy and grace and kindness to us, the ungodly, that You saved us, that You bought us, that You've made great promises. Lord, help us to hang on to those promises and know that You do not lie and You do not change and You do not change Your mind. And we'll give You all the praise in Christ's name. Amen. We'll take Your hymn books, turn to number 170. For our closing hymn, if you have a decision to make, make it known. Come forward. Is the Lord leading you to give your life to Him? Come and we'll share with you and lead you in prayer to accept Christ as your Savior. If you're here and the Lord's leading you, unite with this church uh, by statement of faith, baptism, whatever it is. Come as we sing. Let's stand together.